Isn't it awesome to lean into the story of Jesus Christ who will change our lives, but he himself remains constant in his love for us and his grace and mercy that he extends. I don't know about you, but we're uh, moving into 2018, and I'm so happy to be a part of the story that Jesus is planting in our lives and in our community. Amen? Uh, I'm so glad that you're here today to celebrate our risen Savior, but also to encourage one another on the journey. Thanks for being a part of Crosspoint this morning and lifting up your voices in praise for our risen Savior. We're going to dig into the Word of God here in just a moment to probably unpack some things, hopefully, maybe that you didn't realize or know, uh, that we're called to uh, in this uh, pursuit of Jesus Christ as we follow Him. If you're a guest here this morning, we want to say welcome and thanks for joining us. Of course, our hope would be if you're looking for a church home, we would love for you to be a part of our family right here at Crosspoint to join in with us using your gift sets to tell the story of Jesus Christ, the peace, the hope, the love that he offers this broken world. Uh, And we know that he will make all things new in 2018 for each and every one of us as he continues to do throughout our lives. So thanks again for being here this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 1. I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. Our text will be on the screen, of course. Uh, And uh, we're going to look at a small pericope that uh, is later on in chapter 1. And John will be there in just a few moments. Uh, But I want to remind us, we're, we're in this series introducing the theme for this year called All Things New. And last week we talked about how Jesus changes everything. Uh, Today we're going to talk about lost and found. What does it mean to find someone for Jesus Christ, to bring them to Jesus? What does that story look like for you and I? What's the expectation? Uh, In the coming weeks, we're going to continue to unpack that idea that Jesus makes all things new in our lives. We're going to talk about how we're called to serve people and one another, uh, because that's the life that Jesus lived out. We're going to be reminded that you cannot give God. We're going to be reminded that we do life in community. We don't live alone. We don't walk alone, but we journey as a family of believers. Uh, And so I hope you'll be here for the rest of January as we begin to unpack those ideas and what they can and should mean to you in your life as you follow Jesus Christ. Now, get ready for today's uh, lesson. I began to unpack some data for our area and the the state of Texas, and some of that is the population idea. I I didn't realize Grand Prairie was as big as it is. I found that it's about 191,000 people. Is that right, Georgia? Does that sound close? Uh, Thank you for the thumbs up over there from the city council member. Um, So 191,000 people here in Grand Prairie, and uh, it's long and extended, but we've got a lot of folks living here. In the metro alone, it's 7.4 million people living in the metro uh, plex, and in the state of Texas, it's about 28 million people living in the state of Texas. Uh, I released some information several months ago just talking about people that are moving to our area. About 1,200 people a week move to the state of Texas. And of those, 50%, 600 move into the metro. Uh, So we have a lot of folks coming in, uh, some who may know Jesus and some that may not. What we discovered in the process of, of looking at data is about, out of that 28 million people, about 13 million in the state of Texas do not profess Jesus Christ as their Lord. That should be alarming to you and I. Because those folks live in our neighborhoods, we work with them, we shop with them. Uh, And so you and I, as followers of Christ, are called to introduce people to the story of Jesus Christ and the remarkable change, the positive change that he can bring to their lives. And so as we begin to look at this idea of mission, and John talked about that in his communion talk, you know, we do go to Honduras, uh, we go to Kenya, 
some of us have had the pleasure of going to uh, downtown Dallas and serving the homeless. Uh, there are lots of local mission-type outreaches that we do right here in Grand Prairie. We buy Bibles and send them to Eastern Europe uh, to be placed in public schools, and the list goes on and on. But, you know, thinking about our state, our town, you don't have to get on an airplane to go do mission work. Now, we'd love for you to go to Honduras, we'd love for you to go to Kenya. That's part of the process, and we do a balancing act there. But we also have to be reminded that some of that mission work is just next door. Some of it's in our backyard. Some of it's right there with the folks that we work with and hang out with. In, in my cul-de-sac alone, I took this picture of my, my cul-de-sac, and uh, the Hall family is the Anglo family in the cul-de-sac. I thought maybe I'd get a laugh there, but I guess not. <laughs> We're the Anglo family, and on my uh, one side, we've got some good friends uh, of Hispanic descent, and uh, on their uh, other side of their house, we've got a family from Nigeria. Uh, On the other side of our house, we have an African-American family that we're really good friends with. Uh, We have a single guy that just moved in to the rental property next to him, and on the very end of the cul-de-sac is a a family from East India. Directly from my house out where I took this picture, if, if you were behind me in this picture, is a family from Vietnam. Now, this is a very small segment of Grand Prairie, but it's just a glimpse of the idea that Jeremy told us about many months ago when he preached, if you remember, on Mission Sunday. And he was telling us that the world is coming to us. And it's an idea that we in our hearts should get excited about how God is using uh, the story of the world and using us in that story to tell his story. That is an exciting thing to consider and think about. Now, I know that in your life, you've had some exciting moments happen. Maybe it was when you first got to drive. You got the keys, you were 16 years old, and maybe it was not a new car, but a new car to you, and you jumped in that car, and you drove over to your friend's house, right? And you were saying, hey, you got to come out here and check this out. Look at this. Look at, for me, it was like, look at this A-track player. It was great. (laughs) I just dated myself there a little bit. Somebody said amen, so right down here. Yeah, 1978 Volkswagen was what I was driving, and the one fender didn't match the rest of the car, but hey, I was proud of that thing. And uh, we were cruising Main Street and having a lot of fun with my friends and that thing, and you had those moments too. Uh, Maybe it was the moment that 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 girl said, yes, I'll go to the prom with you, and you had to call your friends up or run over to their house and say, hey, guess what? She said she would go, or maybe it was when she said yes to marry you, and you had to let the world know, hey, the the girl of my dreams said yes, and you were so excited about that. Or maybe it was you finally hit that grade point that you had been wanting at school, and so you ran home kind of in a way, and you ran in the door, and you let your parents know, hey, check this out. Let me show you what I've been working hard on. You've had those exciting moments in your life. Now, what I want us to think about as people of God, as people who follow Jesus Christ, that when we tell the story of Jesus, whatever way that might look for you, we should be just as excited. We should be on fire to tell people about the man who changed our lives. Should we not? I mean, it's an exciting thing to consider. And in our text this morning, John the Baptist does the same thing with some disciples that are following him. Now, before we get to our story, I need to give you some backstory that happens earlier in the chapter. You see, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus Christ. And they knew each other, had family get-togethers and so forth. And John knew that he was the anointed one of God. John knew that he was the Messiah. 
But John, in his own right, he started ministry earlier than Jesus. And he kind of had a, a mega church, if we can use that word, out in the wilderness. I mean, it didn't matter if you were a, a teacher of religious law or you were the poorest of the poor. People were coming out of the woodwork to come out and hear John and his message of repentance. The Bible says he was baptizing people in the Jordan. That crowds gathered to hear what he had to say. He was a prophet and everyone knew it. He had this large following, and he was getting the message of God out to the nation. And then just before verse 35, which is where we'll be in just a minute, the day before, he sees Jesus walking along the bank of the Jordan, and he's talking to some of his disciples. And he stops mid-sentence, and he stops in the middle of his presentation, and he says, look over there. That's Jesus the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who will take away the sins of the world. John knew in that moment that his ministry must decrease so that Jesus might increase. And he was excited to do that. Most of us think about decrease, and we're we're not sure that we want to let go of a lot of things. We're not sure that we want to let go of that part of the story. But see, John knows that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Chosen One. And so he wants everyone to know that's listening to him to say, hey, that is the man you need to follow. That is the true Messiah, the one that will change your life forever. And so our text begins in verse 35. It says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And so John, once again, the very next day, is pointing out the fact that Jesus is here. He is the one that we should be following. He's the one that we need to get in touch with. Now, I need to make clear, too, that there are actually two Johns in the story. There is John who's actually writing the gospel. He wrote several other letters in the New Testament, John the Apostle, and then there's John the Baptist as well. But Jesus like last week, changed John's message. He changed everything that John was doing. He moved it in a different direction. And so we too, in our own place here, we want to be like John the Baptist here at Cross Point. We want to put all the focus on Jesus Christ. It is not about Cross Point. It's not about your particular ministry Every single one of us, every single ministry that we have here is to point everyone, point the world to Jesus Christ. To say, that is the Son of God, and he will change your life forever and beyond. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is all that matters. Not what I think, not what you think, not what we think it says, but Jesus Christ is all that matters. And while we are so pumped and excited about the involvement of you in ministry in this congregation, we are even more excited about Jesus Christ and what he can do to each and every one of our lives. So John has said, hey, there's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Verse 37, it says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. See, John gives up his plan to to start some big movement. He wants to move everyone in the direction of Jesus. 
He gives up his own popularity and he surrenders to Jesus in his way. And that's the way we want it here in our town, Grand Prairie. That's how we want it in the metro and across the world, the places that we go and tell the story of Jesus. We want to lift him up. And so even in our own lives, we're reminded as we begin 2018 that Jesus changes everything, that he will make all things new. And so the way that we do our business practices, we don't cut corners. We are people of integrity. We're different than the world around us. We hold fast to the promises that we made to someone else. How we love on our kids and raise them is different than the world does. We lean into them and keep their face pointed toward Jesus Christ and everything that we say and we do. We raise our kids differently. We love on our spouse differently than the world might do because we want to love like Jesus loved. We want to honor and respect and lift up, not tear down. The way that we use our money and the things that we've uh, uh, accumulated are for his glory, not for ours. We don't make money to put one more thing in the garage, but maybe to put one more Bible in a school in Eastern Europe or one more missionary in the field in a faraway land. We want to do everything we can to reflect Jesus Christ and to point this world toward him. And the only way that you and I can make that kind of life happen is by surrendering to Jesus Christ and saying, I will follow you. Now, John, in our story, you see, he had built relationship with the men and women who were following him. They trusted him. He was an advocate for God. He was an advocate for them. He preached the word. He was solid. They had relationship, these two men, with John. They were friends, and they trusted each other. Why? Because they did life together. And so in our text, John is looking at these two guys that are standing there talking to him and John says, you trust me, right? We've done life together, right? Have I ever steered you wrong? Then I want you to know, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the man who will change your life forever. He's right there. And our message today is really about this idea that you and I would make a decision that our relationships, our physical relationships here on earth matter. And they have purpose. And that purpose is to point people toward Jesus Christ. Bottom line. We have fun. We hang out. All of those things are necessary as we journey together. But at the end of the day, it's so that people will come into a relationship with God Almighty, his son, Jesus Christ. Our text moves on in verse 38. It says, Jesus looked around and saw them following him. So they've left John and now they're following Jesus Christ. And he says, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, rabbis in the Old Testament had students. They had disciples, people that followed them everywhere they went. Typically, in your hometown, there was a synagogue with a rabbi there at the synagogue. And when you were six, you began to go and learn, memorize what we call the Old Testament, the Torah. You worked on that from ages six to ten. And then once you memorize that, the rabbi might say, you're good to go. You know the facts about who God is and what he wants you to do in life. Go back to the family and learn your family business. But if you were really good, then you stayed on to maybe you were 15, 16 years of, old, years of age, and you learned the rest of what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. 
At the end of that period, most people would go back to their family business. Maybe it was to be a fisherman, maybe a shepherd, maybe a stonemason, a carpenter. But if you were the best of the best of the best, you got asked to stay. I, I think the rabbi says, you could be like me. I think you could be my disciple. And so we find these men who are with John and now following Jesus. There was a saying in the Old Testament in Jewish culture that says, may the dust of your rabbi settle upon you. It's the idea that you are following your teacher so closely that the dust that he kicked up from walking on the road actually fell on you. And so we in our lives ask that question of ourselves. Are we in Jesus' presence enough that his dust is settling upon us? As G- uh, Jesus wants Crosspoint to be a place of safety. He, he wants this to be a, a hospital where broken people like you and like me can come and feel welcome and wanted. It's a place where you and I can be real and authentic, where you can come just as you are, although you don't need to stay just as you are. That we grow in process as we learn what Jesus has called us to be and how he's called us to live. And in our text, Jesus is not offended that we ask. He's not offended when, when he asks us, what do you want? And we tell him. I mean, that's how kids operate, right? Those here this morning that have grandkids or children, when your child asks you for something, it warms your heart, doesn't it? When you can fulfill that wish. God's the same way with us, his children. He wants to hear from us. And if it's possible in his will, he wants to fulfill that wish. It's a call to lean into the story of Jesus and realize that he can make all things new for us. You see, right now, God's model on earth is the idea of church. And church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, meets the needs of those who are living in chaos. We are the body of Christ on earth. And so we're called to live differently than the world around us. We're called to lean into those who who have conflict and chaos and are wondering and not knowing what to do. We're called to follow Jesus Christ and how he lived out ministry. I mean, look what he says in verse 39 of our text. Jesus says, come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Now, what they don't realize, these two men who are now hanging out with Jesus all day long would love to have heard that conversation all day, right? But what they don't realize is the time that they spend with Jesus, the conversation that they have with Jesus, for them will turn their world upside down. It will make all things new for them because Jesus is not going to just teach them. Jesus is going to transform them into the people they were created to be. And so you think about your own life the friendships that we have, the family that we have, the co-work group that we, we are with. And we realize and know the people in our family need Jesus. Our friend group needs Jesus. The co-workers that we have and sit beside in the office area need Jesus. The people where you shop need Jesus. The family sitting beside you at the red light 
need Jesus. The people on your street need the absolute incredible hope and peace that only Jesus Christ can give. And they need, like you and I, to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, God with us. They need to understand the peace they can have in their own life by saying yes to Jesus and following him. Our story continues in verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. We get introduced to yet another disciple by the name of Peter in this moment. And Andrew goes to find his brother and tell him they have found the Messiah. Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to change your name to The Rock, and I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) You see, today, everybody knows Peter. You go out to folks who've been to church just a few times, and you say, who's the Apostle Peter? And most people would say, oh, it's that guy that followed Jesus, at least that. But remember, before Peter was Peter, he was Simon. And he was a nobody fisherman on the north shore of Galilee. And no one knew him really from Adam. But we are called to bring people to Jesus who may not know who Jesus is so that Jesus can change them as well. I want to give you in our small time left here together just four things, practical things that I think you and I could live out in our life to help as we lean into this idea in 2018 that Jesus can make all things new, not only for us, but for those that we come in touch with as well. The first one is this, to love where you live. Love where you live. Now, I'm not talking about the nice house you live in or the apartment complex you live in. I'm not talking about that place. In in, uh, 1979, we moved to uh, an island in the South Pacific called Vanuatu, and we lived, uh, it was a beautiful tropical place in a hundred feet of ocean water you could see the bottom it was gorgeous crystal blue I'm not talking about loving that place I'm talking about loving people where you live see Jesus invited these two guys to his house there's just something about hospitality isn't there having some somebody over and uh, eating with them having their feet under your table having coffee one with another at a, a a bistro See, God's grace has found you and made you feel special. He's loved on you. And so we too, as people of God, want to do the same thing in relationship with people. We want to be Jesus to all those that we come in contact with. And for each and every one of us, it may look different. Maybe it's, you you know that there's a coworker that's struggling with some things in life. There's some conflict going on. And so you take them out to lunch at the lunch break and you just sit and listen. Maybe it's a family member that's got a struggle with maybe their their parents or grandparents, something going on there that's a little abrasive, and so you go out to coffee with them to ask, what's going on? Let me hear your story. Because at the end of every story, our, our reply is, whether it's in word or deed, is that Jesus can change that for you. Jesus can make all things right for you. So Jesus spends a day with two guys whom he influenced for the good. 
And they become part of the 12 who end up changing the course of all human history. That's amazing when you think about it, isn't it? That, that two guys spent a day with Jesus, which became 12 guys. And because of their faithfulness to God's story, you and I sit here today. An amazing thing because they made a decision to love where they live. We're called to do that as well. But equally, I want to remind us that faith finds friends and family first. That's a hard thing to say all at once, isn't it? But the first thing that Andrew does is he goes to find his brother. He wants his brother to know, listen, I have made a discovery. I have found Jesus, the one that changes all things. He is the Messiah, the chosen one of God. Come and see. I want you to meet him. And we love everyone, but those closest to us are easier to find. That close circle of friends, that close family member. But it's equally tough, isn't it? Because they knew you back when. Back when you made a poor decision. Back when you said something about somebody else. You remember that time we had the family reunion and here come the stories, right? You want me to go do what with you? Something about Jesus, something about church. Those are some of the toughest people to bring to Jesus. The easiest way around that I have discovered, and it's not necessarily easy for the person telling, but just own it. Once you own it and it's out there, there's no more leverage. Yeah, you're right. I did say that about so-and-so, and I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to do better. Yeah, you and I went over here and we did this thing together, and, and that wasn't right either, and I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to do better. And the reason why I'm going to do better is because let me tell you about this guy named Jesus Christ who changed my life forever. And even though I've made some mistakes in the past, he makes all things new. And guess what? Wouldn't you like to serve a Savior that can make all things new for you too? Because Jesus changes everything. We talked about that last week, and as we look at our own past, sometimes we get hung up on that, and we have the guilt, and everyone reminds us of who we used to be. You simply remind everyone else, yes, that was me, but no longer because Jesus changed my life. And I'm a different person because of who he is. A third thing that you and I might do is just tell what you know. Tell the story. I mean, what's Andrew do in verse 41? He says, hey, we have found the Messiah. We found him. Come here. Let, let, me, let me just tell you what I know. Let him talk to you about what his desire is in ministry. And so our call is just to tell our experience and how Jesus indeed has changed our life for the better. I was this person and now I'm someone totally different. I can't believe what I said or did 20 years ago. But thank God for Jesus Christ who's made me a new person. But thank God for all the things that God has done through his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to bring me out of that story and into a brand new story. And remember that actions speak louder than words. Our friends, our family, our coworkers, they don't need a brow beating. What they need to see is a different you. One that looks more like Jesus each and every day. And so we're called as followers of Christ to treat people differently. We're called to speak differently. We're called to hone in maybe our emotions at times, to calm ourselves down and realize what would Jesus do in this moment. We're called to be hospitable and treat others better. And finally, we're, we're called to bring others just to where you are. Bring others to where you are. I mean, Jesus invited two men into his story 
And so we're called to imitate him in that way. Just invite people into your story. Create moments where you can journey with them. Create memories with them. Show them how Jesus indeed can make all things new for them. It's a moment for you and I to be vulnerable and be honest with who we are. You know, sometimes we we get it backwards. We call people to believe and then they can come belong. But I think we might have that backwards. Maybe we invite them to belong, and in that process, they begin to believe all the things that the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Maybe we invite them to serve with us, to travel with us, uh, to play and have fun with us, to learn with us. Church, here's, here's what I always get hung up on, and I've got to let this go. In our story, Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. But at the end of the day, Jesus changed Simon to Peter. It's not my job to change people. That's Jesus' job. Jesus changes people, and he'll change you too. For the more positive, for the the lovely creation that we're called to be in Jesus Christ, We're called to be so different than the world around us. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of the bickering. I'm tired of the conflict. And I want to lean into the peace and the love and the grace and the mercy that Jesus Christ has to offer me. What about you? I am so ready for this year and looking forward into seeing and discovering how Jesus is going to make all things new and different in my life this year. I want to be a different person. I want to be more loving. I want to be more intuitive to understand, oh, I need to talk to this person. I need to hang out more with this, this group, this family. And so you too, as followers, are called to find at least one this year. So when you came in this morning, you probably saw a card and a pen on your your chair. The pen's for you to take home. But I want you to think about, as we finish up our time here together, one person that you're willing to pour into for the cause of Christ. Now, it's not somebody that you've already, you've already got there and you've already done that, that legwork. This is someone new for 2018. And you know who it is on your heart of hearts. You know who that person is because you've said time and time again, I need to spend more time. I need to make that phone call. I need to send that email. I need to go to lunch with. And for some reason, things happen and it just never occurs. That's that person for you. And so as we leave here this morning, I want you to take time to write that name on that card and take it with you as a reminder all year long. Who's your one? Find someone to share the story of Jesus Christ with. Not in a preachy way, but just in journeying in life. And let them know that there is a Savior who loves them. There's a Savior who can change their world forever. And he is the one that can make all things new. I'm going to invite the praise team back to the stage at this time. And as we sing this song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And as we sing, maybe there's someone here this morning that you just need prayers uh, from our shepherds. Go and see one of those couples and let them lay hands on you, let them pray over you and for you. Maybe there's some hiccup in a relationship that you just, you want to get rid of that, that thing that's stopping you from having that close relationship with that person. Maybe that's the person God's placing on your heart this morning. Maybe this is a a great day for you to say, you know, it's the first Sunday of the new year. Today's the day I publicly give my life to Christ. Today's the day I'm going to be baptized. It'd be a great day to start off on a great uh, right foot. And so I hope this morning 
The Spirit is placing on your heart the person that you're going to interact with all year long in a way that would show them Jesus Christ. All things new. That's what I want in my life, and that's what God wants for you too. Let's stand and sing together.